good morning. If you're in the room or you're joining us online, either way, we are really glad you are worshiping with us today. I'm Charlie, the uh, lead pastor here at the Grove. Really glad all of you are here. And uh, we've been we've been traveling over the last uh, over the last month. Did some some family trips, some things like that. And um, you know, my wife, she's she's like the queen of like uh, plane supplies, like the things that you need. Like I mean, she she was handing out wipes like long before COVID existed. She knew it was gross long before the pandemic. And then she's also got she's also got gum. She's all, she always got gum. Like, well, that's not just a travel thing. She's always got gum. So I got gum, and and she's always she would always she's always passing it out beforehand, right? And but every now and then she'll forget, or I'll forget to ask her for some. And you know, and you know what happens, right? Then your then your your ears start to get real clogged up, and then then me, and I don't say you, then me, then I start to get real cranky and irritable, and I'm not exactly sure why. But it's because my ears are all clogged up and my head hurts and I, I haven't quite put it together yet. And then finally the piece of gum comes. Chun, chun, chun. And, then, and, then, and then suddenly the, the, the world seems good again because this thing that was just kind of putting all this pressure on you that you didn't know or had forgotten about or had just gotten used to and started to consider normal, it finally relieves... And, 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 and then there's a freedom that comes. I mention all this because I feel like a few handful of weeks ago that God kind of gave me a stick of gum. And, and, and I really feel like, like it, almost, it really did, it almost felt like, like, like the, that, that literal popping that happens with, with your ears. It just, like, just like, a, like a clearness where I, I just realized that really for some time now I've been kind of living with this pressure and this this headache this this slowness and I had just gotten used to it and I have given it a name and we I will call it covid sludge where for the last and I hate I hate doing this cuz he's going to say oh for the last and then I then I have to attach a date to it which it, it's always very frustrating almost almost a year and a half um this has been happening our world got turned upside down, and we we talk and we act like things are getting back to normal. But like, what does that mean? What what does it mean for it to be normal? Because I think so many of us, over the last year and a half, have kind of delved into some really, I'll just say, destructive patterns. Some people have allowed fear and anxiety to overwhelm them to the point to where they just can't shake it. I'm still fearful, I'm still anxious, I still feel overwhelmed. Some people over the last 18 months have not surrendered to fear and anxiety as much as they surrendered just, just straight up anger. Just I'm just angry. I'm angry at this, I'm angry at whoever the them is that I think did this to us or whatever. And you, and you, you, you assign these villains and then you're just angry and you can't shake angry. For me, I think I would describe it in like I really thrive in routine. Like I thrive really good knowing, okay, I know exactly what Monday is going to be and then Monday is Tuesday. I know exactly what Tuesday is going to be. And the more that I can just kind of do the same things each day or each day of the week and each week, the more routine that I have, the, the better I am. And, and if that's the case, I mean, in a, in a moment, routine was dead. And, and you can try to replace it with another routine, but there was nothing to replace it with. 
And then eventually, I think what happens is I find myself in a routine, but it's full of sludge. And I think what has happened to a lot of us is we're just surviving. We're just doing the things that we have to do day to day, week to week, to just keep going. And if we ever had it, we lost it. We lost this sense about, man, this life that God has given us. We're supposed to be thriving with Him. With deep connection and relationship with Him. With this, with this plan and direction and hope and life that God has given us. That's what He's called us to but the world changes in a moment and all of our habits get broken and suddenly we can't do the things that we used to do and there's anxiety, there's fear, there's anger, there's all these things. And I think for way too many of us, we find ourselves stuck. And after kind of I feel like I chewed the metaphorical gum and my ears kind of popped, it really came to me that this really is the challenge that I think that we have as God's people and as His church over these next several months, that we have this challenge where like each one of us individually and us as God's people collectively have to get out of this. We have to get rid of the sludge. We have to, we have to get back to believing and trusting and acting as if the good God of the universe has offered us capital L life. And no longer letting this kind of the the weirdness and the yuck of what this has been to hold us back from being who He's called us to be and, and living life with Him. And so I say this in part to you, and you're here, but I'm also mindful of all the people who aren't here, the people who have just made a decision over the last year, maybe not a decision, it just kind of happened where you just lose the importance and the value of what it means to connect with God's people, to worship, to hear from God's word, to do all this together. And we've gotten used to something that we shouldn't be getting used to. And our challenge is for us as individuals, for us as a church, to go out there and find them. And then collectively, living this capital L life with God Take the hope of the gospel and the hope of God to a world that's desperate for it. So, if we are going to make that transition and we are going to start thriving again, or maybe for some of us thriving for the first time in a real powerful dynamic relationship with God, what's that going to look like? Well, we got a passage here in John chapter 14 that we're going to look at. And Jesus is kind of, I think, kind of setting down some really foundational truths about what this would look like. And it's real interesting. There's several of these passages in Scripture, and you know, a lot of them are at the very end of the Gospels, the Great Commission being one of them, where Jesus is explaining to his followers what it's going to look like and what it's going to mean for them to be followers of Jesus with him not around. That's all we've ever known, but you can imagine just kind of the weirdness of that for them. Like they were followers of Jesus and it was the, I don't want to say easy, but it was simple to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus is here and I'm here. And then he goes over here 
and I follow him over there. I'm following him. And I'm, I'm not sure what Jesus wants me to do. Well, he, well he's he, he right there. This is what I want you to go do. I want you to go get some food for these people. I want, I want, I want you to go get a boat. Okay. And, then, and then they go do it. I mean, it was more complicated than that, in some, like, obviously. But it was simple in the sense that Jesus was, he was right there. And, and following him was, was literal. But if Jesus is about to be gone, how, how do you follow him when he's not here? And so you'll see in different passages, Jesus kind of explained to them, hey, this is what's going to happen. I want to be gone. This is what's going to happen. This is what you can expect. And this is what I want from you during this time. And as he's explaining that to them, it becomes a very foundational piece for us who have lived our whole lives and will continue to live our lives as people who are following Jesus without him physically being present. And so we have in the middle of one of the, in, in this chapter, we're going to one of these deals. We're going to look at a little passage here in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So he starts off just by saying straightforward, hey, if you love me, obey me. And here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is, is, is that the, 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 the Holy Spirit is going to come. And this was a brand new concept to them, that God's Spirit would come and be and indwell and be in everyone who was following God. So this is what's going to happen. It's going to be another advocate. Jesus being one, and now there's going to be another one. I'm going to be gone and be replaced with this guy. And he's going to live inside you. And in the same way that I pointed you towards God, encouraged you, showed you, led you, the Holy Spirit is going to now do this. And he's going to do this on the inside. And, and the world's going to, not going to be able to accept it. doesn't even know what we're talking about. But you, you will know the Spirit. And he will live with you. He will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So I'm going to go, and the world's not going to be able to see me anymore. But you, you'll be able to see me. And with what the Spirit is doing inside you, you'll be able to understand that that God is with me and I'm, I'm with him and I'm with you. And, and even though we're not going to be, I'm not going to be physically present anymore, the power and the presence of the Spirit will be with you. And it's all going to be okay. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to be like orphans. My presence will always be with you. because I'm not, Even though I'm not going to be here, I'm going to still be alive. And because I'm alive, you'll live. And then, and then this kind of gets to this kind of where we end up. This is kind of our key verse for today. Verse 21, with him saying, and this is what it means for you. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So this is what I expect from you. You've heard me say lots of things given lots of commandments, and whoever has those, like, you know them. You know the things that I want you to do. You have them, and then you do them. 
that's the one that loves me. You say you love me, you say you want to be a follower of mine, this is what that means. You're going to follow and do the things that I've said that you need to do. And here's what's going to happen. The Father is going to respond to you with love. I'm going to respond to you with love. And then, deeper and deeper than that, then I'm going to, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And so in John, in, in John chapter 14, verse 21, we have what I believe is a very key verse in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in the Bible, in your life of really what it is that God is calling us to in this life, to have the commandments of God, to understand what it is that Jesus is asking us to do, and then to do it. And then Jesus promises all of these incredible benefits from that. And if we are going to thrive, if we are going to live and be who God has called us to be in this world right now and shake off anything that's been holding us back, one of the things, it is going to start here with this, and we'll say it this way, we'll sum it up first this way, that we demonstrate our love for God through obedience. If we want to show, I'm a Christian, I want to be a Christian I'm a follower of Jesus. The way that you show that, the way that you show this God that you love him, that, that, that Jesus, I'm really on Jesus' team, you do this through obedience. Now, if you've been to church before, you've been to other churches, depending on the, the amount of experience that you have, how many different people you have heard preach, you've probably heard several different motivating factors behind why you should obey a command from God, which is a really, can we just say, can we just conceptually, can we just kind of put our mind around this a little bit, that, that, that the task that's like we're going to, i got to tell you, this is a command from God, and then I've, I've got to figure out, we've got to, how do I motivate somebody to do that? It's a, it's, a, it's a command from God. I mean, like, it's like, you know, like, like, like God, right? And, and so then the, that's honestly, that's what you'll hear a lot of times. Well, you'll hear a lot of times is you've got this command from, from, from God. And it's like, and you know why you should do it? Because God said it. And if you don't, it's God. And what is wrong with you? And the reality of it is it can be said in a harsh way. It can be said in an extreme way. But it's, but it's true. The God of the universe who created you, he is owed this. He is owed it. He says it. He created me. He created the universe. This is all him. This is his world, his universe. I am his. He says that I do it. There really isn't, there really shouldn't be any questioning. He is, he is owed that. But at the same time, you'll also hear, and I've, I've done this before too, where it's like, man, you know, you understand, like, it's to your benefit. If the one who is the architect of the universe says, this is the best way to live, you should follow that advice. You mean like whatever it is he said, do this, do these things, you'll do well. Avoid these things and you'll do well. But if you reverse that, then you're going to struggle. Now you may be thinking, you know, there's people giving you life advice, a good friend, a, a family member or whatever, a co-worker. He's like, and then you, somebody says, this is what you should do. And then you evaluate it through the grid of, is this person reputable on this topic? Well, I'm going to succeed in business. You've succeeded in business. You give me advice, I give you advice. You've got a good marriage. You don't want to tell me you're right. Well, now I can have a good marriage. When the God of the universe says, this is how you should live if you want to have a good life, then you're like, 
you, he, he, he created all of it. And so it is absolutely in your best interest to follow the commands of God. But he is, I believe what Jesus is doing here is really kind of bringing a little bit of both of these things together. To say, of course, it, I'm, the, I'm the God of the universe. I created everything, so this is owed to me. I love you and want the best from you, for you. So if you want to show me love of what I'm owed, and as a response to who I am, this is, this is what you need to do. You show me love through obedience. And if there's anything that I think that um, shows that we've kind of got a little bit of you know, clogged ears, clogged heart, clogged life, a little bit of sludge in us, is at any point that we hear a command from God and we think, oh, okay. That's interesting. That's a, that's, a, that's a good thought. I'll take that under advisement. I'll, I'll meditate over that over the next few days, God, and, and I'll get back with you on whether or not I agree with you as to whether or not that's, not a, good, whether that's a good thing for me to do. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just let you know. I'll just know. We'll, we'll see. I kind of I got some ideas. And, you know, you know we just kind of work. And, and that somehow that the commands of God are like, like a, like a menu that I'm just going to, to select from. And that, and, that, and that what we're supposed to do is like, I come here on church, I come here to church, and I hear God's perspective, and I kind of merge that with what I think, and I take what I like, and I get rid of what I don't like. Like, mm, we, need, we need some gum. We need some gum. You need to be drinking something. You need to swallow your own saliva or something because... This idea that somehow that it's up to us to decide, it's, 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 it's holding us back. It's holding us back from having a proper response to who God is. It's, it's holding us back from living the life that we could have. And it's holding us back from being in this sort of intimate relationship that God has called us to. One of the things that we do when we talk about being in a relationship with God, we use a lot of friend imagery when we talk about being in a relationship with God. We use a lot of friend imagery. And I do not want to discount that. But I want to make sure that in addition to friend imagery, when we talk about what it's like to be in a relationship with God, that we've got a healthy amount of king imagery, Lord imagery. King, Lord, Creator. And this is what I must do in response to who He is. And so He says, verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, that's, that's the one that loves me. You want to show yourself to be someone who really loves Jesus. Obedience is what differentiates someone who does love God and someone who doesn't love God. And then He says, and if you'll do that, the one who loves me will be loved by God and I will love them and show myself to them. So we've got this progression here. You want to demonstrate to, to God that you love Him, then you're obedient. And when you're obedient, you're showing that you love God. And he says as a response to that, God the Father will love you, and then Jesus will love you, and Jesus will show Himself to you. 
And so there's a, there's, there's a response. Like, this is how God will respond to you if you are obedient. Now, this is, this is really important. And um, I'll say it this way, then I'll explain to you why I think it's important. So we demonstrate love through obedience, but I need to make sure that theologically we understand that we do not confuse position with relationship. And I don't want to overstate this, but this is perhaps one of the top two or three most important theological concepts for you to understand. That when we talk about that God's love will, will follow you if you're obedient, we're talking about in the nature of your day-to-day relationship with Him, not in your position with Him. The Bible makes it very clear that your position with Him is secure. Jesus died on the cross for you to forgive you and to bring you into relationship with God. And if you'll receive that, your position as a child, a son or daughter of God, is secure. Because very clearly that there is nothing that can happen that you can do or that anyone can do to separate you from that love of God that is found in Jesus. This is talking about your relational love, a relation like your connection. And I think too hard, I think too much about this. Like, like somehow, like we're always trying, like pastors, preachers, we're always trying to talk to each other, reading books, and we're all gonna think about, about try how to help people this make sense. Because like what happens too often is. You start with this and say, your position with God is completely and totally secure no matter what you do. And then some people go, no matter what I do, eh? Hmm. So I can do whatever I want? And like, can we just say that, I mean, on the, on, that may be the stupidest thing that Christians say. And I, I don't, that's a that's a big list. I don't I don't I don't I don't want to I would say it's the absolute stupidest because we got a pretty good we got a pretty good list of stupid things that we say. But that's near the top anyway. That somehow that the appropriate response or even even a thoughtful response of the unconditional love, unchanging love of God is to think, well, I can take advantage of this idiot. I can do whatever I want to do, which is horrible. So we 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 say that and 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 and, and it's true. And then he's like, well, I got, I, got, I got to do all these complicated theological bending to kind of help you understand. But no, but obedience still matters, and it's about relationship. But like when really it's just, it, it, it actually is fairly simple. If you have ever been a parent or if you have ever had a parent. I'm a parent. I've got three daughters, and they're all awesome, 23, 20, and 9, and they are the most awesome thing in the world to me. And their status in our home and in my heart is unchangeable. There is no matter of, of, of disobedience or backtalk that would ever make me think, well, 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 we may have an opening here in the family really, really soon. I said do the dishes and you are now telling me you're not going to. Mom said clean your room. I said don't talk to your mom that way and it seems like you're getting a little mouthy. Uh, we're gonna have to put your room up for rent here too long. Get out! You're not you're not a daughter anymore. Like it would never cross my mind. No matter how much we have been in conflict, it would never cross any of their minds that their status as my daughter was in jeopardy. But if we're talking about relationship, how things are going, how how are we doing? 
how is the love back and forth going? Especially when they're little. I mean, that, that's kind of how a small child, that's one of the primary ways that you show your love for your parents is by doing the things that they told you to do. It's not the only way. This isn't the only way, but it is a primary way. And the relationship is better when there's less back talk. I think everybody can agree to that. And theologically with God, it really is not dissimilar from that. It's your position with Him is stable. Your relationship with Him has its ups and downs. How much you're loving Him and demonstrating your love is based on your obedience. And how much He can really love you day to day relationally depends in large part about where your heart is with Him. If your heart is in rebellion against him, it's going to be really hard for him to demonstrate relational day-to-day love to you. It makes sense because every other relationship is this way, but we make it more complicated with our theology about God, I think in part because we really are looking for, I can do whatever I want. Or, opposite-wise, we're looking for the simplicity of the other one is, you will do what God said, or he's going to get you. Those two things are simple. Do it or else, or bruh, right? Those are, those are great theological concepts. Write that down. Theological concept of bruh. I can do whatever I want, right? Those, the, these are simple. This other one, it's really not as complicated as we make it, but it is as complicated as all relationships are. It's a relationship rather than this strict, easy understanding of rules so don't confuse that make sure that we get that straight that we're talking about how we can be in better deeper connected relationship with God so we demonstrate our love through obedience and he says this that you will the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them so we demonstrate love through obedience and what we receive we receive connection and revelation So I demonstrate my love for God through my obedience. And it says, and then God is going to respond to that with this love, with this relational connection with me. And then I'll have that same relational connection with Jesus, his son. And then what will happen is that he's going to begin, Jesus is going to begin to reveal himself to me. I'm going to get to learn more, understand more, appreciate more about me, him, the world, my life, the way it all fits together, my mission, my role, all the things that I need. And what I would like to suggest is, is that the two greatest things that we need, and this is assuredly true if we're feeling just a little, again, sludgy. I need connection and I need revelation. I need to be in good relationship with God and I need to know who I am, who God is, and what I'm supposed to be about. Now if I went around and asked, I said, what are, the, what are the two things that you feel like you need that are most holding you back? Now, if I ask you in church, I feel like you would do better than in a non-church context. You're like, oh, as a pastor, we're in a church. I got I to gotta work to give the right answer. But probably the most common answer that most people would give would be some version of, I need more money and I need more power. I wish I had more things. And I wish I had more influence in every area of my life. 
if I had more money and I had more, more influence, if I had more stuff and I had more power, then, then, then I, could, I, could, I could handle whatever all of this is. And the reason why I can tell you with 100% certainty that that's not it is because there are people who have just that much more influence and money than what you have, and they still feel the same way. In fact, somewhere, and we could probably list the five to ten people that this could include, the five to ten wealthiest, most powerful people in the world, would you describe them as someone who is content or someone who is striving for more money and more power? They're always striving because it's never enough and it never will be. But the thing that I need I need, I need connection with God. I need the love that comes from Him. I need to know that when everything else is falling apart, that the relationship and the love of God is steady in my life. I need answers for all the uncertainty that there is in the world of who I am and what I'm supposed to be. And what Jesus is saying is, I will constantly be giving myself to you. And you will understand me more. You'll understand you more. You'll understand life more. And the more connected I am with God and the more revelation that I have from Jesus, the more peace and life I'm experiencing in this moment. Regardless of my status, my position, regardless of how much money I have, regardless of how much power I have, regardless of who is the president, what party controls which branch, regardless of how well we are managing a pandemic, regardless of all of these things, these things that just are all, that just move our needle up and down, all over. I'm connected with God. I know that He loves me. He knows that I love Him, and I'm connected. And He is constantly, daily, revealing Himself to me. That's where life is. And that will stand against all of these other things. The amount of money and influence you have will change. Who's leading our country will change. The relative state of your world will change. But the power and the presence of God in your life, that is what we need. And so... If what Jesus says is this is the way that we demonstrate, by we love Jesus, and we show that by following his commandments. we got to know them and follow them. Well, what are they? And that's what we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at. We'll look at several. I mean, there's obviously more than you can do in a six or seven week series, but we're going to look at several of them. We're going to look at the very first one that he gave. We're going to look at the one that he said was the most important. We're going to look at the one that he gave last. We're going to look at one of the ones that I think is the most controversial. We're going to look at one that I think is the most misunderstood. And, and, and we're going to put together a, a, a picture here of what it is that God is saying our life is supposed to be. And then let's just pray for each other that we will be able to respond to this by living lives that demonstrate our love for Him. Let's pray.